if you will, if you'll please, pull out your puzzle piece if you didn't throw it away or if you didn't take it and look at it and to see what is on your puzzle piece. Some of you may have gave it away or said, you know, I don't need this or threw it away or just said, uh, forget it. Well, I actually forgot to get mine, so I can't even look at mine. <laughs> I can't even look at mine. But if you will, each puzzle piece is going to be different. I highly doubt that you and your neighbor's puzzle piece will connect or looks identical. Uh, it may be similar in size, but uh, each puzzle piece has a specific purpose. And I'm going to use that principle throughout today's lesson uh, that we all have a purpose. And it kind of ties in with what Jamie spoke about this morning. Each puzzle piece has a specific purpose. It interlocks with other puzzle pieces to fulfill the duty, which is to make a whole puzzle. When we use this spiritually speaking, we can do the same thing. If we will interlock our pieces of the puzzle together, we're going to promote a larger picture of Christ. When we come together with other Christians, our light should shine that much brighter, if you will, because we're surrounded with other Christians When I think about 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verses 18 through around verse 28, when Paul is describing the body of Christ, there's many members but of one body. And that's what came to mind with the puzzle. There's many pieces of this puzzle, um, and it's 300 pieces. And this puzzle makes, uh, the the puzzle, once it's complete, will make a fish that looks kind of like Nemo. I don't know the type of it, but um, if we put... 20 to 30 pieces together, you'll be able to see a small portion of what this puzzle looks like. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, when Paul is going through to discussing, each part has a vital part of the body, but it's all to accomplish the mission. And as he just read in Nehemiah verse 4, or chapter 4, verse 6, it says, because they had a mind to work. Nehemiah chapter 4, they were being criticized for building this wall, if you will. They are being made fun of, mocked, taunted for building a wall. In fact, one said that uh, the wall is going to be flimsy if a fox walks up and it's going to tumble over. It's easy when people are mocking us and making fun of us, as, as Jamie talked about this morning, when we have to stand up and say what is right, it's easy to kind of want to back up and either cower down or to get angry and want to seek revenge for someone making us angry. If we'll open your Bibles to Psalm Chapter 79, we're going to read the first seven verses. Psalm 79, we're going to read the first seven verses. It says, O God, the heathen are come into thine inheritance. Thy holy temple have they defiled. They have laid Jerusalem in heaps. The dead bodies of the servants have they given to, to be meat unto the fowls of the heaven, the flesh of thy saints, and to the beast of the earth. Their blood have they shed like water round about Jerusalem, and there was none to bury them. We are become a reproach to our neighbors, a scorn to them that are around about us. How long, Lord, wilt thou be angry forever? Shall thou jealously burn like fire? Pour out thy wrath upon them, the heathen that have not known thee, and upon the kingdoms that have not called upon thy name. For they have devoured Jacob and laid waste in his dwelling place. They are asking God to judge for judgment on these people that are doing these wicked things. 
In my mind, as a young Christian, I would simply want to seek revenge. I want to get back at those that were basically making fun of me. But as a Christian, we cannot allow anger to overtake us. We cannot allow these petty issues, if you will, to overcome and steal our joy. We need to stay calm, work together, and accomplish our mission. Our mission is the same that was the same mission of Christ. In Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That is our mission. We're told in Matthew 28 and in Mark 16 to go into the world and preach the gospel and to teach everyone and to, um, and they that believe will be baptized. We have to continue to strive to teach those and follow the example that Christ led to us. So tonight we're going to look at five things that can be our spiritual puzzle, if you will. We have to have faith. We have to have our priorities in line. We have to strive to be active workers in the congregation. We have to have the desire to save souls and strive for unity. If you will, turn over to Hebrews chapter 11, and that will be our first point. Hebrews chapter 11. Our first point is going to be faith. Our first puzzle piece, if you will, will be faith. In Hebrews 11, verse 6, it says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to him must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We have to have faith, and we have to do the will of the Father. Our faith should motivate us to launch out into the deep, if you will. It should motivate us to do things that we typically may not do. Like help those people in our community. Help people that are in need when tragedy strikes just like we did with Mexico Beach, Florida. Another one that is pertinent right now is the, is the fires in California. Lots of land is being destroyed. A lot of homes, death, the schools. Just a lot of tragic events are happening around our world. Our faith should motivate us to support our local congregation in their efforts and their endeavors as often as we can to host events that will help our community to grow closer to the Word of God and to each other. But I think sometimes we just get complacent. We don't want to rock the boat. We just want to keep sailing like we're sailing. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, faith is not alone. It says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of heaven. but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. We have to do the will of the Father. And faith should help us and motivate us to do this. This afternoon, does our faith motivate us to be involved and to contribute to the work here? And when I mean involved, I don't mean just simply being somewhere. I mean to actively be involved, striving to help in the areas that we need help in. We as American Christians, I'm going to use that term loosely, we're we're easily and great at supporting works financially. We see a need, we, are, we have no problem with giving money to that need, and that's a great thing to be uh, known for, if you will. But when we read Galatians chapter 6 and verses 2 through 5, it talks about bear you one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And then drop down to verse 5, it says, For every man shall bear his own burden. In order for us to bear one another's burdens, we need to know what those burdens are. We need to be able to identify those burdens. And the only way we can do that It's by being around each other, growing closer to each other, and helping each other. Too many times, and I I can speak from experience when I was in school, people would write a check, and I'm not saying I'm not thankful for them supporting me in school, I am. But the people that sent checks on a monthly basis are not the ones that stick out in my mind. 
It's the congregations that went a step further and would send a, a check to pay for my expenses while I'm in school, and then they would take a note or write a letter. And I remember receiving these cards, and, it, and most of them came from one congregation in, in Alabama. And they would send a note, and they would say, Aaron, we want to say we appreciate what you're doing. We're contributing to you financially, but we want to let you know that you're in our thoughts and prayers. If there's ever anything we can do, let us know. We need to go take it a step further than just merely sending a check. That's small in comparison when you think about our missionaries that are overseas, completely away from everything they know. Their family is left here. They're in a foreign land with a foreign language. They've gave up everything they knew to go and teach the gospel. Imagine if we was to take it a step further and to do something along those lines. If we were to get a, a letter or notes from people in the congregation to mail with him to, with a check, to let him know that he's in our thoughts and prayers. It's easy to get on social media and, and say, hey, I'm praying for you. But when you write out a letter to them and encourage them to continue in the work, that means a lot more. Let's take it a step further. Let's send them the check. Let's send them some letters and let's send them some helpers. Let's send them a group of people to go and help them in their efforts. That will really motivate them and encourage them and let them know that they're loved, that they're not missed, and that they, they could definitely use that encouragement. I remember this same congregation that sent cards twice while I was in school, sent a package. And when you're in school and when you get a package, it's, it's a big deal. You're like, wow, someone loves me. I opened this package and there was some homemade brownies, some cookies, and you want to talk about being in love with somebody. I'm in love with some old lady in Alabama because them brownies were fantastic. The men wrote a note in this same box and said, since we can't cook, here's some ink pens, some thumb drives, and some other things that you may need, some gift cards, etc. I was on cloud nine, if you will, from a group of people that I met one time when I was raising money to go to school, took the time out of their life to make desserts, and to send gifts and just acknowledge that they're thinking about me and praying about me. We need to do that for our missionaries because sometimes I feel like we forget about them. Yeah, we, we get a, a letter in the mail once in a while. We may stop and read it, but do we ever take time to actually reach out to them and encourage them? I would imagine being a missionary overseas would be lonely, borderline depressing when you're away from everybody, away from the comforts of home. We need to take it a step further to help them. James 1.22 says to be doers of the word, not only hearers deceiving yourselves. We have to hear the word. We have to put the word into action. If we're not, we're deceiving ourselves. Our second puzzle piece this, this afternoon is going to be about our priorities. This is something that sticks out. If your priorities are not in line, people are going to notice it. I know I do. When my priorities aren't in line, my wife points it out real quick. We have to keep our priorities in line. In Matthew chapter 6... They are told that we should not be doing things for the praises of men, that we should be doing it to, to, to uh, show honor and glory to God, that people were praying to be seen of men. Basically, look at what I'm doing. <clears throat> that should never be the mentality of any Christian. Matthew 6.33 says that we need to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto us. We need to seek the kingdom of God first and foremost in our lives. James 4, 7 through 8 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Are we submitting ourselves to God? We just read James 1, 22, when he talks about not deceiving ourselves. In verse 8 he says, Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you are double-minded. 
James is warning that we cannot be hearers, but we must put what we're hearing into action. I read a little pithy statement on Facebook the other day. It says, if Christ isn't Lord of all, then he is not Lord at all. That's a powerful statement. And when we use the word submit, uh, most things that come to mind is wives submit to your husbands. I know I've used that out of context <laughs> several times to my wife. But when I think about it here, I think we need to submit our time, submit our effort, submit our talent, our skills, our thoughts, and to helping those that are, that are in need. One person that comes to mind is Randall Gann. He just had total hip replacement surgery. Uh, he can't really do anything for a few weeks. Now, you know, I don't know nothing about farming, but I would imagine there's a lot of work that he needs to do. Imagine if five or six of us got together on a Friday evening or a Saturday morning, went to his farm, and took care of all his needs for the week. You want to talk about appreciation and a deeper love for one of us, for our brothers and sisters, that would show it. When you put your money where your mouth is, that's when people accept it. That's what we need to do. You see, I don't know anything about a tractor. <clears throat> they look good. They look expensive, so I don't want to touch them. But a lot of you men and women here know exactly what to do. I wouldn't have a clue, but I would be willing to help to do whatever I need to do. See, when we put our puzzle pieces together, we can accomplish the task. That's what we need to do is help one another. Our third piece of the puzzle would be to be active workers in the Lord's church. Somebody has to do the work. I've always heard it said that 10% of the congregation does 90% of the work. It shouldn't be said. That should not be said of the Lord's church. Another person said that the church is full of people who stand on the promises while others sit on the premises. People are just lazy. When it comes to doing the Lord's work, we should not be lazy. We should be eager, willing, and able to do these things. Consider God's view of the church at Laodicea in Revelation 3 and verse 15. It says, I know your works, that you're neither cold or hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. No one wants a glass of lukewarm water on a hot day after working outside all day. It's just nasty. No one wants that. God wishes that they were either cold or hot. Then you look at the other end of the spectrum in Acts 8 and verse 4. It says, Therefore they were scattered abroad when everywhere preaching. They were doing the will of the Lord. They were out there being active workers for the congregation. And think back to Acts 2.47 when it says, Praising God and having favor with the people, the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Why was the Lord adding to the church? Because people were out daily spreading the gospel. That's what we need to be doing is in our everyday actions, promoting Christ and helping others. There is so much work that could be done. That is, a lot of this work is done behind the scenes. But I've been uh, guilty of saying this. This is what we pay the preacher to do. And now that I've been in this role, <laughs> I used to think Larry Acuff came to work and wrote a sermon and left. Now that I've been here for almost two years, I realize that that is almost the least that you get to do there's always people coming by there's always phone calls there's always someone that needs a visit there's always someone that needs encouragement and then your lessons kind of seem to be on the back burner through all of this well some will say i'm too busy i've got school i've got work i've got doctor's appointments we've got to have our priorities in line then you got some people that will say well i'm not good at it i don't know what to say i don't know how to say it well that may be true but you got to start somewhere 
1 Corinthians 3, 6, it says, I, which is referring to Paul, have planted Apollos watered, and God gave the increase. Now, what if we were to insert your name here where I, Aaron, have planted? Did I go and sow the seed? And if I did, I go and tell one of the elders, I need you to go and water and follow up on my study. How busy could we keep our eldership if all of us were doing this? If all of us was out planting the word of God and then calling on our elders and our deacons to go and follow up on the studies. Imagine how the church would grow. The whole point of the lesson is to work together and to be unified. Just like a puzzle, each puzzle piece has a specific purpose. Just like each one of us here tonight has a purpose. And that's what we need to figure out, is what is our purpose? I know a lot of people say they don't feel comfortable leading Bible studies, but there's a lot of people in this room that will. If you can just basically open the door for them, they would be glad to go and help. Use your puzzle piece to help expand the borders of the kingdom. The more that we work together, the better off we're going to know each other, the better off we can help each other, and the church is going to benefit from it. Our fourth puzzle piece this evening would be the desire to save souls. Romans 10 verses 1 and 2 says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record they have zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. What is our hearts and thoughts and prayers? Could you imagine this morning we had a little over 300 people here. And let's just say for number's sake, we have 175 here tonight. Now imagine if we divided that 175 up and all of us took time to call a few people and ask, we missed you tonight. We wish you were here at services tonight. I know in my younger years, I would just assume that they're out uh, having fun, don't care. But it took time for someone to call and say, Aaron, we missed you. Wish you were here. Can we help you? Can we help you? Can we offer a word of prayer on your behalf? When we do things like this, we let them know that we love them and that we care. That's when we're going to grow closer together. And the puzzle of the spiritual life is going to come into fruition. You see, we talked about priorities, and it's easy to find out when, what someone's priorities are, or we assume when they're not here on Sunday night, or they're not here on Wednesday night. We just assume that they're off doing something. They could be at home sick and not no one, no one not know. But it takes someone having the faith and the courage to reach out to them and ask where they were. When I was at Lithia Springs with Larry Eckhoff, he took me under and basically kind of gave me full advantage of him. And so I usually on... Once a week would go and work with him. And he told me this. He said if someone misses two services in a row, that he would go and visit them. He said because most of the time when someone misses two services in a row, something in their life has happened and they're struggling, spiritually speaking. And he says if we do not follow up with them, we could lose them. And he said so every Monday morning, the first thing I do when I come to the office is I go and I find the attendance book and I go down that list to find out who is missing. He says, as a Christian, as a preacher, and as an elder, it's my duty to try to keep those in the church and keep them faithful. And then he went on to say this. He says, if Christ was to come to Lithia Springs Church of Christ, would he be happy with our efforts, or would he be sad? And he referred to Luke 19.41. It says, when he came near, he beheld the city and wept over it. He says, if Christ was to come back, he says, I don't want him to weep over Lithia Springs. I want him to rejoice. 
What are we, as Bobby Branch members, willing to do to keep one soul from hell in 2019? Are we willing to send out one million tracks in 2019? I know that sounds like a lot, but roughly 40,000 people, if you sent one person 25 tracks, everyone in this county, we would have sent out one million tracks. Tracks are extremely cheap. That's something very simple that any one of us could do. Are we willing to put X amount of money towards spreading the gospel in our area by doing social media, by doing events, by hosting things in the congregation? Are we willing to do whatever you fill in the blank to help spread the gospel in 2019? That's where our puzzle pieces come together. By us working together, there will be unity, peace, and the puzzle will come to the complete picture that it is. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 3, it says, Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We have to strive to be unified. If we're not, we're going to be pulled in different directions. No one wants to be a part of a congregation that is merely just surviving. They want to be a part of a congregation that's thriving, that's, that's trying to do what is right, always trying to help others. We must all work together to help others get to heaven. It reminds me of Acts chapter 4, 32 and 33. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart, one soul, and they had all things in common. Paraphrasing here. I've been told that people do not care about what you know and how much of it you know until they know how much you care. When we begin to show people how much we care about them and their soul, that's when they will open up to us and we will be able to help them. We have to help people. We have to serve people. We have to teach people to let them know that we care about them. Could you imagine if Jesus would not have healed, helped, or served all the people he met in his day? Would, he have, would people have still listen to him? While we're working together to putting this puzzle piece together, the church will grow when we have our faith, when we have our priorities in order, when we're all striving to be active workers, while we all have the desire to save souls, and when there's unity and peace in the congregation. This evening, if you're here, and you realize that you have not been fulfilling what God has asked you to do through obedience of the Word, or maybe you're here and you need in prayers of the church, that you need to be encouraged to continue doing the daily walk of Christ. If there's anything that we can help you do, we ask that you make it known as we stand and as we sing.